0: Welcome back, everybody, into Bill's Chat. I am Josh McCarty. With me, as always, is Luca. Luca, how are you doing on this,
1: I feel like, eve of free agency? Ooh, I like that, eve of free agency. Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, Life's been a little hectic, you know, things Mm. like that. Obviously, we don't need to dive into that, but I'm excited to sit down, start the weekend with you, Josh, like we like to do all the time. And talk a little free agency, look forward, and try to figure out what the Bills could do in free agency, guys they can target, stuff like that. Obviously, I'm already leaking the premise of this episode here, but I'm excited. I'm excited for this episode. I'm excited for what we can talk about tonight and kind of look forward to how we build a 2023 Bills roster that can hopefully improve from the disappointment of last season.
0: So if you've been following along our podcasts, live shows Luca and I, the last couple episodes, have broken down the Bills' offense, broken down the Bills' defense, who we think is going to stay, who we think is going to go. Tonight, it's all eyes on the free agent market. We have a list of players at all positions who we think will be good fits for the Bills. Spoiler alert, Luca and I do not agree on all these players. <laughs> and I think a lot of it is more so about the strategy of how much the Bills should spend at certain positions. So we're going to have some conversations. We cer- certainly invite you to to join in on these conversations in chat. Let us know what you think the Bills should do. Luca, there was a little bit of Bills news this week. The compensatory picks came out. And not to any surprise, the Bills did not get any compensatory draft picks. I was a little surprised at some of the outrage on Twitter about how they didn't get any. When the Bills literally signed Von Miller and their biggest loss last season was Harrison Phillips, I'm not sure how anybody who understands the compensatory formula could have thought the Bills were going to be a net positive. (laughs)
1: Yeah, the, the, that pick situation, everything that they do for that, I don't even try to like get up in arms over it. I don't try to like worry about that unless you deal with a major offseason of turnover the year before, where you just watch half of your notable roster, just drop off and just be gone. And all of a sudden you need to now work on rebuilding or doing whatever you need to do to get back as a competitive team and everything like that. But um, it it is what it is, man. Like the formula is the formula, as you pointed out, they go out and make a massive signing. And then the, the most notable loss is Harrison Phillips and stuff. Like I'm not surprised by it. It doesn't bother me whatsoever. You live with the picks you have. You shouldn't expect handouts on top of it and things like that. Like, the formula works the way it is. I understand teams like Kansas city who also acquired picks elsewhere, then get a couple themselves. It's frustrating to see when it comes to that, but that's kind of isolated in a single kind of look where it's like, Hey, the bills made a big splash last year. They didn't get to where we wanted them to be. They didn't really lose too much either. So you shouldn't be surprised by that result whatsoever. And, you know, just really quick
0: for those who aren't familiar, the way the compensatory formula works just at its core It's a net loss versus net gain in free agency. It's supposed to help you if you lose players in free agency and it weighs more if players like Von Miller leave or are signed for mega deals Whereas it's not a one for one where Harrison Phillips and Von Miller would not cancel out. It's the salaries work against it and the number works against it. But one trick that teams use is it only includes unrestricted free agents. Example, Adam Thielen was released from the Vikings today. He is not an unrestricted free agent. An unrestricted free agent is literally just players whose contract expired. If you're released from your team, you're not an unrestricted free agent. You don't count against the compensatory formula that that's how it works. That's why tonight when I talk about how they should go after this player instead of this player, because of the compensatory formula, that's what it all means. Our guy, Roy Collins coming in with every year, I guess, wrong on who we should sign in for agency. Roy. Welcome to the party, my friend. Last year, Luca and I did almost an entire show on Chandler Jones because we were that confident that the Bills were going to go after an edge rusher. And we had pinpointed, we had heard enough that they were interested in Chandler Jones. And then, sure enough, they brought in an edge rusher, but it was Von Miller. I think we're all happy with how it turned out outside of the ACL injury on Thanksgiving. Luca, let's not waste any time. I am super excited about this show. I love free agency. I also love that free agency is upon us next week. So then in a couple of weeks, you and I can really start deep dive diving into the draft. And maybe we have some fun announcements coming up in the future on our plans for the drafts. We'll get into that as the weeks go on, but Luca let's organize it here by I'm going to go offense first. If you're okay with that. And I, I understand that the two big ticket names are Jordan Poyer and Tremaine Edmonds. Just FYI, Adam Schefter said, two days ago now that it's likely that the bills are going to lose both Poyer and Edmonds. I think there's still a chance that Edmonds does come back. Um, but I think for the show tonight, we're going to go on the premise that the bills are losing both. And uh, we will, we will kind of go there, but I want to start Luca with the offensive line, because I think there's enough of a, a segment of fans that realize that the bills have to address the offensive line this offseason, the way they got manhandled by the Bengals and the playoffs the way they failed to run the ball, the way they whiffed on Roger Saffold last year. I think primarily when folks talk about the offensive line, they're talking about left guard to replace Saffold and then potentially right tackle to either replace or compete with Spencer Brown. And this is where I'm going to start with my first strong opinion on tonight's show. I tweeted this out from our podcast account earlier, Luca. I am of the belief that if the bills do make a splurge this offseason in free agency, it will be at offensive guard. My reasoning for that is, one, it's a more palatable splurge to make. If you're going to splurge on an edge rusher, you're talking about 20 plus million APY. The bills just don't have the appetite for that right now. We'll get into their cap situation in a second. Um, But through various moves, various simple restructures, the bills can be anywhere from 20 to 30 million under the cap. Um, So they can still do what they want to do. But why I like splurging on guard is, one, it addresses a big need. Two, the market for these guards I'm talking about, we're talking about maxing out at about 10 million APY, which over a long-term deal, the first year of that contract, you're talking three, four, maybe $5 million, which is super absorbable absorbable by the Bills under their cap situation. So, And the other thing that does is it kind of crosses that need off the board. The Bills wouldn't have to spend the 27th pick in the draft on a guard. So I have a list of guards here that are at the top of the market that I think the bills could be interested in. Does my thought on guard make sense to you, Luca? The thought
1: makes sense. I I think your point on what, let me call it your hope and what your idea for the bills is spot on. And I would see nothing wrong with that where I will disagree with it is in a sense of, do I expect the bills to share that philosophy? I would like them to, but I don't know if I necessarily would expect them to. They just haven't shown us anything when it comes to that. They they don't splash cash when it comes to that position. Obviously, we all now are kind of in the world of they need these big guys. They need to improve that offensive line and do it in a fashion that they can succeed immediately off of it. So I that's kind of how you need to approach it and what you need to do in order to get that kind of result. You need to invest in it and there are smart ways to do it. And everything you said is correct. If these are guys that you can get extended years from, and it's about 10 million a year, but then you obviously backload it with that, you know, fake cash. Um, then it's, it makes sense in both the now and the future, and you can restructure and move on accordingly from there and kind of go on with your way while improving that offensive line. Yes, that is accurate. I just don't, They haven't shown us anything yet, so why would I expect them to change anything? It's the same people making these decisions. So, you know, I just come from a world where people don't really just change their ways overnight. They don't just completely flip 180 and decide to do something completely different, especially especially when they have seen success in some capacity. Like you don't just go, okay, you know, we've been pretty good at this. So now we're going to just completely do the opposite thing or kind of change our mindset completely and just try it a completely different way. Like you're going to try to build off of that still in some way that you believe to be the proper and correct way to do it. So that's where I disagree with you. It's not necessarily disagreeing with you on what you hope they do or what you think is smart, because I do think you're onto something there. It's just, I don't know if I necessarily think the bills are sharing that kind of mindset as you do.
0: And to the point here by Joe DeRosa, thanks for checking it out tonight, Joe. We appreciate that. Um, The bills did spend in 2019. Now the cupboard was bare there. Like that was the year that they signed Mitch Morris. They brought in Quentin Spain in 2018, their only useful offensive lineman was Deion Dawkins. They had the absolute patchwork of all patchwork offensive linemen in front of uh, Josh Allen. And I'm even trying to remember off the top of my head who, who started off as center for them, and it ended up being it's such a such a failure of a surround Josh Allen with weapons and offensive lineman season. Um, but they really have gone with more of the quantity over quality approach at offensive line to your point luca where instead of signing that one big ticket free agent it's been let's go sign quentin spain let's sign let's sign long let's sign um you saw last year when they signed Questenberry and they signed van roten and you, you just kind of throw a bunch of names at the wall and you see if any of them stick but i do think this off season with the way it's lining up and the other thing about the guard market is even if you go to the tippy top of it it's still not nearly as expensive as other positions now I think there's three names that make a lot of sense for the bills at the top of the guard market. I'm going to butcher his name, Isaac Ciamalo from, the, from the Eagles. I do think he's going to be out of their range. In my opinion, he is the best of the bunch. And if there is going to be a bidding war on a guard, it is going to be for him. So he is not on my list of targets. Although if he winds up a bill, I will be a very happy person. The three names on my list, Luca, are Ben Powers from Baltimore, Dalton Risner from Denver, and then Nate Davis from Tennessee. They all come with various strengths and weaknesses. When you cross-reference spot track with PFF, you come in around a 10 million or less APY for them, which is right in that range I talked about. My favorite on that list is Dalton Risner because one, I think he fits the mold of what the Bills are looking for in their offensive lineman. He is by far the most athletic of the bunch. He's a very strong pass protector. He doesn't run block as well as you would like, but this is a pass-first offense that prioritizes athleticism at the offensive line position. And he has been a consistent player since joining the league, um, I believe the same year that Cody Ford was drafted back in 2019, and just absolutely consistent up until this point. Whereas Ben Powers is a guy that really is almost a one-year wonder in Baltimore, really good in the pass game, not as good in the run game. And then the last guy I mentioned, Nate Davis, Luca, comes from Tennessee, more of a run blocker than a pass blocker. One thing I really like about him is Tennessee runs that zone blocking scheme that the bills are trying to implement under Ken Dorsey. And we know that they would like that again, not a great athlete, not a great pass protector. And maybe they have a little bit of PTSD of going back to that Tennessee offensive line for a guard help. When they had Saffold last year, that seems kind of silly, but if the bills go to the top powers, Risner and Davis are my preferred choices with Risner being number one. What do you think of those guys? And are there any names you'd like to add to the bunch?
1: Um, Of those three guys, Dalton Risner is by far the standout to me. I don't know if Ben Powers or Nate Davis, like they checked some box here or there, but they're not exactly someone that I feel like the Bills are going to go after. In free agency, that would be like we settled for this guy because options A, B, and even potentially C are just not working out. Dalton Risner, I do believe is a guy that checks a lot of boxes for the bills. I think the athleticism is the most key thing with him. Just having him be also a high end pass blocker on top of it, bringing him in. And obviously, as you pointed out a pass first offense, we all know that it just seems that that could, uh, mesh very, very well. Um, I am under the mindset of pass blocking to me is more of a concern than run blocking. Run blocking is something you can scheme, disguise, hide, you know, however you want to word it and just maybe even teach in some way to improve and get better at. Whereas pass blocking, you either really are good at it, you understand how to do it or you don't. Like it's just it's one of those things. It's just it comes with being the individual that you are really. So you can teach it and improve it, of course, but I'm just saying it's harder to do than run blocking. Run blocking, there's ways to get around it. So Dalton Risner, I like that idea. It also fits exactly how you led into this too, right? He is a guy that you look at probably around that 10 million annual, but you can build in a contract that is, you know, you're paying them the first couple of years and then you have that back end of deal that you can get to when you get to and figure it out. He, he's definitely someone that I would also share that sentiment with. I think it's a target that makes a lot of sense for the bills. Uh, I like you liking him. Another name that I just, just to throw it out there too, is uh, Will Hernandez. It's, it's a guy that I feel like he had a really inexpensive deal on a one year with Arizona this past year. And he was at least one of the few guys they had that you didn't feel like was going to be a massive liability and just understanding an offense that has a extremely unpredictable quarterback behind you that can run at any moment and stuff. He's someone that I could feel like maybe they would look at depending on the circumstance. So just another name to throw out there, but Dalton Risner is the top of my list as well. I would say personally, I mean, assuming, uh, Isaac is not going to be someone that's in their ballpark. Um, he is the kind of jewel of guards when it comes to free agency. So Risner is definitely a good choice. I, I like that guy a lot on your list here.
0: Will Hernandez is such an interesting name because there's going to be some more names throughout the night that are from that 2018 draft, which is Brandon Bean's first full draft as Bill's general manager. And if the bills were high on him, for example, in that draft, when they ended up obviously getting Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds, that could bump them up their free agent board. But the point Luca made is a good one is last season he signed such a cheap deal with Arizona and the bills had a need at guard that it almost stands to reason that if they liked him that much, they probably would have outbid Arizona, but I love the name. He certainly fits. He's the prototype. He's a good athlete. I do want to bring up one budget name here because if the bills don't go into the deep end of the pool at guard and they're trying to look for a budget option, David Edwards from the Rams, he played under Aaron Cromer. He's a guy that's familiar with the system and that's about it for the positives I can say on him. Luca. I've just heard enough beat guys mention him that I wanted to bring it out here, but He's not an athlete. I think at best, he's probably competition for Ike Botker, who the Bills brought back last week. But the connection to Cromer, um, I think it's at least worth bringing up there. But I think we covered guard pretty well. Looking in chat to see if any other uh, mentions are there. Costa, I will say this, is, a, is our guy. He's a Giants fan, though. Don't fall for the Will Hernandez trap. <laughs> Um, so I, I do appreciate that Luca obviously has familiarity there with the Cardinals. Let's spin it over to tackle Luca because while I do think that the Bills are willing to splurge on guard, I think they're going to have to be a little bit more, um, thrifty when it comes to tackle. And I have a couple of reasons for this. One, I still think there is a strong belief in that building that Spencer Brown can become the future of the right tackle position for that team. We talked about he went to a small school, his, his, um, growth in college was greatly impacted by COVID restrictions, COVID seasons. And then his growth under Cromer last year, Cromer's first year with the bills was impacted by his back injury that really had him miss most of training camp. And he had what most would call an up and down year, maybe even more down than up, but there is so much to mold there. He is such a freakish athlete for that position that I think that the Bills still have a lot of high hopes for him. And if you listen to what Brandon Bean said in his press conference, um, that kind of echoes that thought. But what I think the Bills need to do is at least bring in somebody to compete with him for the tackle spot while maybe not being the favorite to win the job if they lose the job, greatly upgrades the swing tackle situation that was David Questenberry last year. So I don't think the Bills are going to be in on Orlando Brown. They're not going to be in on Mike McGlinchey. They're not going to be in on Juwan Taylor. I'd love to know if you disagree. We can talk about that in a second. Those guys are going to price themselves out of Buffalo. Some names I like, George Fant and Kelvin Beecham. Both of these guys have a lot of experience starting in this league, both on the right and left side. Kelvin Beecham specifically Um, is a guy that is a Walter Payton Man of the Year Award um, nominee for the Cardinals. He is just a process guy through and through. And even in his mid-30s, continues to get really high marks in pass protection. And I think that's what the Bills would look look for as a swing tackle. Obviously, compete with Spencer Brown first, but I am realistically thinking backup swing tackle. We don't want to be in a situation where David Questenberry is out there falling over trying to block the Patriots again. And then George Fant is a guy that two seasons ago – played so well that he unseated Makai Becton as the Jets starting left tackle, and then because of injuries, and then because of Makai Becton going on IR and the Jets signing Brown, and Brown was specifically a left tackle, so then Fan had to get moved to right. He was moved from right to left throughout the season as injuries happened, and then injuries happened to him. It was a really down year. I still think there's some upside there. Those are two names that really intrigue me What do you think about my thought? And I do think that their market based on spot track is going to be in that three to $4 million a year range, which is just like chef's kiss. Perfect for the bills right now.
1: I think your thought is spot on with this. I, I think the bills are also feeling this way. They are going to look for someone that you will see almost minimal, if not any drop off. If Spencer Brown is not in there and can be a dependable guy with a lot of experience. You kind of want to sign a guy who is you know, within the price range that they want and everything like that, of course, because money is money. But you want someone that if Spencer Brown is on a short leash or whatever it is, you have a veteran presence that you can slide in there and not see any sort of drop off at that point in time. And then Spencer Brown is there to be your swing tackle for that point in time, whatever it is. Or they then themselves can be that swing tackle whenever needed and called upon, and you will see kind of an improvement from that sense than what you had in Questenberry. I think that's spot on, and I think Beecham and Fan are both interesting options. Um, I think Beecham's kind of where I I lean towards a little bit more in that you know that twosome there. Um, I know there's another guy I see here on the notes that you have laid out for me that I also highlighted myself. Hmm. I'll let you kick off his name and everything like that. He's kind of the player I had a little bit in mind, but I will say he doesn't fit that experience checkmark as much as these other guys. So if they really want to lean on experience and they want someone that has years and years of starting in this league and everything like that, um, I like the idea of bringing in a Calvin Beachum personally and just kind of I don't feel like you would see any sort of drop-off like you did see with a Questenberry. I think it would just be kind of he is what it is. You you understand what he is, and it's not anything falling off compared to Brown on an average day. I think that would be a, a decent signing for the Bills.
0: The guy you mentioned that's on the list is Jermaine Illuminor from the Las Vegas Raiders. And this is much more of a projection like Luca mentioned, where with Fant and Beecham, you know what you're gonna get. If Dion Dawkins has to miss a month or two, oh my gosh, like the bills would be in such trouble in previous years, those guys could go in, steady the ship, you feel good about the offensive line. I think that's very important. What intrigues me about Illuinure is, I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong, is he has been a swing tackle through much of his career, kind of an interesting start to his career. He's only twenty eight years old. He's already played on three teams, Baltimore, New England. Vegas swing tackle but because of injuries was forced into the lineup this year for the Raiders and from week 7 on Luca he was the fourth best pass blocking right tackle in the entire league. Now, I know there's a shortage on tackles in this league, so maybe he's a guy that's going to break the bank and get more than this 5-6 million dollar a year range that I think the Bills can really top out at at tackle. If he starts hitting 10-11, the Bills are going to be out. But if you're looking for an under the radar signing, A guy that really only has about a one season of starting in the league, but it was a very strong season and could potentially be a very high end asset. If if you strike gold with him, get him under Aaron Cromer. I, I think that's a guy I even tweeted out earlier that is incredibly intriguing. And that's a guy that I look at could legitimately compete with Spencer Brown at right tackle, depending on like what version of him you get.
1: Yeah. Signing him. And I, I let you say his name because yeah, Yeah. I haven't, I'm, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to even try to pronunciate it as coming from someone that his actual name is developed my nickname uh, because no one can pronunciate it. I understand that life. Um, He is assigning that if the bills were to take that, you know, take that swing and bring him in, he isn't that veteran presence signing that to me. If they're able to sign Jermaine, and it's not, you know, of course, as you said, money is, of course, a massive discussion here. Maybe he does price himself out of what we are trying to do. But if they are able to bring him in, he is a clear indication that they want competition at the right tackle position. He is the name to me that highlights they aren't sure what they're getting with Brown this year. They, They clearly do like Spencer Brown, and I don't think anything signing him would change that. I just think they understand that having someone for legitimate competition at that position is what's best for both Brown and then the team moving forward, because you need Brown to elevate himself even more. And there's something to be said about a player who's just comfortable in their position. Maybe that doesn't help them develop any further or progress in their, you know, development as a player and you just need to push them further. You know, you don't want them to become complacent and just comfortable with where they are in the team. You want them to understand that. If your play regresses in any way on the spot, we do have someone here ready to go to take your position moving forward if they are able to perform. So I I think that would just change how I think they feel about that right tackle. I I believe you as well, how they feel about that right tackle position overall compared to if they brought in a Kelvin Beecham or a George Fant. Like bringing in Jermaine is like, okay, they want legitimate competition there on the right side.
0: Kenny Riggleman asks, are we out on Tommy Doyle at tackle? You know, Kenny, we're not. I I just think right now we haven't seen enough from Tommy Doyle to be able to count on him. And then unfortunately, he suffered the ACL injury early in the year. You would think that he'd be fully recovered by the time that camp rolls around, but I don't think the bills are in any position right now to rely on Tommy Doyle. So I think he'll be no better than the fourth tackle heading into training camp, but certainly much like Spencer Brown, his athletic profile is about as good as it gets when it comes to RAS score. So obviously you, you hope that Aaron Cromer can find something in him, unlock it. You saw him even play a little bit of guard last year and he can be a useful player going forward. But I think for, for the better of the team, they don't want to be necessarily relying on him going forward. All right. Um. Whoa, we got some breaking news is going on. Is, I, we may need to verify this, oh. <laughs> but uh, this is going to shake up because it's kind of awkward. Luca, you made the thumbnail earlier once. Uh, I feel pretty good about it. But Joe DeRosa is saying that because, um, you know, he's if it's the same Joe DeRosa. Maybe it's a different Joe DeRosa who also just happens that's to correct. really know the bills. But nope, um, Joe DeRosa from cover one. I will be on his show tomorrow, by the way. Looking forward to that. Talking about free agency. Um, but Robert Woods has signed with the Houston Texans. That's a good move by them. Two years, 15 million. Oof. Yeah. Seven APY for Robert Woods. That's, that's a little rich for my blood. I'll be honest, Luca. I, I didn't necessarily Now, with all these contracts, you have to always look under the hood of the contracts before you start judging them. A perfect example is the Daniel Jones deal that happened where everybody's like, oh my God, Daniel Jones is making 41 million. And no, he's not. He's not. Um, it just, it just looks like it on the screen. Yeah. But I,
1: I will say real quick, it is being reported two years, 15.25, 10 mil fully guaranteed and can be up to 17 million.
0: That's a, that's a, that's a two-year deal. That is almost legitimately yep. 15 million. So, okay. So good for the Texans. They got their guy. Uh, that dream is dead. Let's talk about wide receivers. Luca, uh, Robert Woods is off the market. He was certainly on our list. I think Jacoby Myers is going to be way out of the bills price range. I've been seeing he could get up over 20 million per year, which is just wild to me because I've always liked Jacoby Myers. And he was a guy that I felt like could help the bills offense. But when you're talking about that kind of money for Jacoby Myers, you're talking about making him the centerpiece of your offense.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a Christian Kirk. Thank you very much. (laughs) Jacoby Myers is going to send you a nice thank you card for what you did last season to kind of, I think Christian Kirk signing and and this is obviously a narrative that's now gone on for a full year at this point, but what Christian Kirk and his free agent signing has done for the wide receiver market is really put it where if you see potential in a playmaker kind of guy and stuff where they haven't really shown it, but they've shown they can be reliable in some capacity. Now you're willing to pay this person upwards to whatever it might be. As you're saying, a Jacoby Myers now paying him $20 million because if it does work out like Christian Kirk, I will say this, the Jags, are spot on. And I will say as someone that did enjoy Christian Kirk, I didn't think it was 20 million was a lot for where he was currently in his stuff. But I also thought he had a lot of potential with him that in the right situation with the right minds around him, he can definitely be a legitimate weapon for anyone's offense. And Jacksonville showed he can be a legitimate weapon for their offense. So they um, got a good signing there. So I can understand where the Jacoby Meyer stuff, 20 million does seem like a lot for Jacoby Meyer. So well,
0: let's I'm going to, I'm going to take you all through a little story here tonight with our guy, Roy Collins. So he starts off the show by saying every year, I guess wrong on who we sign a couple minutes later, he goes, Will there be a Robert Woods signing on your list, and then boom, Robert Woods signs. Poor Roy, hey <laughs> right, dude, I'm with you. It happens. Every guy I crush on always signs with somebody else, so it is what it is. We are with you. We both run it. Wanted Robert Woods, Luca and I can both confirm he is on our list. But we will no longer be talking about Robert Woods as he is now a member of the Houston Texans. But the good news, Luca, is there are plenty of other options out there for the Bills. I will tell you my favorite idea for the Bills right now. Is to not only sign a veteran, but also use a fairly high draft pick on a wide receiver. Because when you look at this group after 2023, Gabe Davis is going into a contract year. They only have Stefan Diggs who will be going into his 31 age season, and then Khalil Shakir under contract. So we'll have to see what happens with Gabe Davis, but they have to fill out this depth chart. And I love the idea of Paris Campbell because he checks a lot of boxes for this Bills team. One, I think he'll be cheap because. While he has youth on his side, he has athleticism on his side. He's a 4-3-1 player, and he did produce this year. He has been a player that has struggled with injuries throughout much of his career, and it's hard to see a team. I know they go nuts over wide receivers, but it's really hard to see a team throwing a bunch of guaranteed money at this guy until they see him do it again for a year. He screams to me, Luca a one year prove it deal guy and those prove it deal wide receivers. They love latching on to great quarterbacks. And that's where I think his speed can factor in. He played 70 plus percent of his snaps in the slot last year for the Colts. And that is an instant need for the bills. I think he's a guy that could blossom into a high end wide receiver too. I do think he has that kind of upside and he presents the bills with speed and a deep threat that they desperately need in this offense. And I know he's a guy that was on your list as well.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Paris Campbell to me just is what everyone, what we kind of projected and hoped in Isaiah McKenzie could bring this offense last season and Paris Campbell, when healthy has shown more to us, I feel like that he can be that dynamic fast threat out there at the wide receiver position, mainly out of the slot to kind of give that energy and boost in that top end speed on the field for whatever team he is playing for. So I love that idea as well, only because as like you just pointed out, it's a, a perfect candidate for a one-year prove it deal individual. And it's not going to be at some crazy value either. I mean, there's people out there that I know only value in, in the single digit million. And it's like a one-year single digit million for a guy with four, three, one speed. Um Yeah. Let's see what happens there i mean as costa said keywords when healthy that is definitely in it's a you highlight it circle it everything with paris campbell you need him to be healthy of course you got to be available to be fast on the field but i like the idea and then even if the health unfortunately doesn't work out for whatever reason you're not invested in that individual moving forward i would hope we never hope for injuries of course and everything like that but I would hope that doesn't happen, but the idea is perfect when it comes to Paris Campbell. I am a massive fan of everything. He could potentially provide an offense in the bills.
0: PFF has his APY at seven and a half million. And that is just exactly where I'd want to be with a player like that. Um, Other names that are interesting. Adam Thielen was released from the Vikings today and he's not the Adam Thielen of old. I think you have seen some regression in his game, but I think he's the guy that, could fill a pretty big need for the Bills. He's still a very reliable underneath target at this point of his career, and that's something the Bills desperately missed last year. And also, when you think of Adam Thielen, I think a lot of people think, oh, he's a slot guy, but he only played 30% of his snaps in the slot last year. So he could also check that box of, if Davis gets hurt, if Diggs gets hurt, we no longer have to rely on Jake Kummerow being next man up on the boundary. You could have Adam Thielen there. Does the Adam Thielen reunion with Stefan Diggs grab you much, Luca?
1: A little bit. I feel Mm -hmm. like Adam Thielen and the idea of Adam Thielen to me was like, hey, if if Bob Trees doesn't work out here, maybe Adam Thielen can be your real poor man's version of what you were hoping to bring him in and kind of fill that role of Um, Roy Collins up here bringing up Marvin Jones. These guys all kind of seem similar to me and provide a similar thing. I, you know, of course, they all do a little bit. And I think Robert Woods was kind of the best of world in this world option. Um, but it look, I wouldn't complain about um signing Thielen. I wouldn't be excited about Thielen. I think it would just be fun to bring in a different individual that with his skill set. I think that's the key with an Adam Thielen, a uh, Robert Woods, a Marvin Jones, a, all these guys like having someone that seems like look, they're not top end speed guys, they're not anything like that, but they're decent enough when it comes to their route capabilities and they have proven to show that they are reliable hands. So if you provide that for this team, for me, I am all on board for that. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's okay. I'm okay with the Adam Thielen idea, I guess I'm not against it. I'm not for it. It's very vanilla to me. It's very kind of, I understand the idea and wouldn't have any gripes with it. If the bills went that road,
0: we got a question on DJ Chark from Costa. It looks like it's about 11 million. According to PFF, Jarvis Landry is interesting because he has history with the Bills' new wide receiver coach, Adam Henry. Now, I realize when Bills fans hear Jarvis Landry, there's a segment of you that will think, isn't he the guy that ended Aaron Williams' career? And the answer is yes, with a dirty hit, and that stinks, and we all hated him for that. But the fact of the matter is Aaron Williams has forgiven him, so if the Bills sign him, I think it's we should all be okay with that, and he does check a lot of the boxes of what the Bills could be interested in, I do think he'd probably be more in that three to $4 million range. That's about what he signed for last year. And he had an injury riddled season in new Orleans. He is not the Jarvis Landry of old. I don't think the bills are going to be in on guys like Juju. I don't think they'll be in on DJ Chark. I think those guys are going to get paid too much money. Um, But we shall see Darius Slayton is another name that came up today. Luca and, You know, I, when I think of Darius Slayton, I think of a guy being wide open down the field, dropping the ball, but that's just in the little bit that I've watched the giants. But when you look at some of his wide receiver metrics, as far as getting open and efficiency metrics, he actually rates out surprisingly well. Is that a guy that interests you? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the whole thing, like metrics and, and, and. Darius Slayton as an athlete and as a wide receiver is definitely something like that. But then that image, it's funny because I don't watch a lot of Giants games. I'll be honest. You know, I I, for all the football that I watch, especially as we've talked about in the past, what my football side is. Giants don't end up on my screen very often. Unfortunately, unfortunately, however you want to call it, I don't care. Um, But when it comes to Slayton, the image I have is him dropping pretty open passes. I don't want to call them wide open because you know, I'm not someone that's going to sit here and just make it sound like it's brutal every time, but that's the image I have of him. And it's hard to get around that only because I I've only seen so little of him. So if I feel like Slayton is another guy though, that fits that same, this whole same window we're talking about here. Like they're all similar guys that Although, again, we're talking about one individual who has dropping issues to our memories here. So that is not reliable hands, you know, that he doesn't check that box. But I guess, yeah, I mean, his metrics and everything you see statistically wise and and PFF and stuff, it doesn't, you know, shy me away from him at all. Like this wide receiver market, the, the free agents that I have an idea or an understanding of what the bills are looking for, I don't think any of them are going to be massively polarizing other than like an Odell where I agree with DeRosa here, where I think they're going to make an honest attempt at him. And then after that, they're just going to go budget shopping. They're going to try to get the best bang for buck kind of guy. And in living in that world, no one's going to blow you out of the water, but no one should also disappoint you. You're kind of just getting what they're worth and you're just moving on with your day to kind of fill that fill that role of just another guy in the system to provide something specific for you.
0: The Bills should be an attractive spot for a wide receiver and free agency. They have vacated targets from what should be an Isaiah McKenzie release. Jamison Crowder's gone. Cole Beasley's gone. John Brown's gone. Uh, the, I think the thought around the league is the bills are going to bring in competition for Gabe Davis. Um, it's a spot that somebody could shine with a pass happy offense and elite quarterback. Um, Nicole Hardman's a guy that's been out there. I know some have tied him to the Bills. That would not excite me very much. I feel like that's almost like a free agency fool's gold type of player when you look at his age, you look at his attributes as far as speed goes. I think that's the kind of guy that just classically gets overpaid in free agency. And I just wouldn't really want a part of that for a guy that I think is just kind of a a nicer version of Isaiah McKenzie, you know, more of a gadget player. You have to scheme open than necessarily uses his technique to get open. But I do think the bills are going to add a wide receiver. Um, I, we just listed a lot of names, so we're certainly not going to take credit for it. If they pick one that we listed, Paris Campbell is still by far my favorite idea. Tight end Luca. I do think the bills will add a veteran tight end. They're losing Tommy Sweeney. My thought here is I think the bills want to add their next Lee Smith. They did a lot of Bobby Hart at tight end last year. And I think that that really made their offense predictable in certain run sets, and I think if they could even just find a tight end, that is some threat to catch the ball, not necessarily a field stretcher, but just, Hey, I'm a tight end. So, you know, I can catch the ball kind of player. Um, I think they're looking for a blocker, certainly not looking to break the bank on anybody. There's a couple names that stood out to me, Josh Oliver, Mercedes Lewis, Chris Manhurst. We're talking about guys that two three million dollars tops. I do think Mercedes Lewis is probably going to be a New York Jet if and when Aaron Rodgers signs there. That kind of player. Don't need to spend a whole lot of time on there. Any any objection there?
1: No, I, I think the idea of what you're pitching here is spot on. They're not trying to find a dynamic receiver or anything like that. They're trying to find kind of that uh sixth, seventh blocker depending on whatever you're doing and stuff like that. Like they're just trying to find that one guy who he can be a whatever you want to call version of threat, but realistically he is there more so as a block first kind of guy and be a dependable blocker for whatever they're trying to do. So yeah, it all makes sense. Let's talk about a fun position running back
0: (laughs) because the bills are losing Devin Singletary. Taiwan Jones is a free agent. I understand the bills prioritize special teams. I get it. I know they love Taiwan Jones. I don't personally have much interest in seeing him brought back just because I think he had a down year, even on special teams. And I'd like to see that position go more so to a younger player. But right now, they just have James Cook and Naheem Hines under contract at running back. And Naheem Hines has a contract that absolutely has to be reworked or he's going to be released. So I think the Bills are probably going to target, whether it's free agency or the draft, a complement running back style to James Cook. And that's more of a between the tackles, power runner, somebody. I know we've been saying this for years and it still ends up being in the Josh Allen show. Somebody who, when you get inside the 10 yard line, you can hand the ball to, and you can take some of that pressure off of Josh Allen to always have to find ways to get to the end zone. So there's some names out there. I like, I know Jamal Williams is a really popular player among bills fans, but Luca, my favorite idea, Damian Harris, the former new England Patriot. Well, I guess he's still a new England Patriot. So he signed somewhere else. 26 years old. This is one of my favorite ideas in free agency for the bills per PFF. He is slated to get around three, three to $4 million a year. You can certainly spread out the cap hit there. Up until this season, he was the second ranked running back on PFF in 2021 and 2020. He had a down year in 22 with injuries, but he's a very good pass blocker. And I think he has a lot of upside and a guy that may not be like a true banger. He is more of a power running back. I think he's a guy that if James Cook goes down, could be your lead back and you wouldn't even sniff at. And I think that would give the Bills a much better one, two combination with Damian Harris than Devin Singletary. I think Damian Harris is a much better player than Devin Singletary.
1: I would say that the ceiling of Damian Harris is definitely higher than um, Singletary. I love the idea. I'm just fascinated when it comes to the running back free agent market. I have no running backs on my personal list. And the only reason for that, and it's not because there are guys, there's no one out there I like, I mean, I like a Rashad Penny even, you know, if he can be healthy and things like that, there's something about Rashad Penny when I watch a Seahawks game that I'm, I'm fascinated by him because it seems like his highs are unbelievable at times Um, and he could be an affordable option as well. And, but Damien Harris as well, the reason you bring him up is he's kind of that best of both worlds when it comes to affordability, but then can provide you very high end production and everything like that. I love the idea of a Damien Harris. I'm with you hundred percent on this idea. I think everything about him is just fascinating when it comes to what he could provide this offense. And he could be a really, really good one two punch with cook back there. So love the idea, everything about it. I have nothing to say against it and whatnot. So big, big fan of that. I I just threw Rashad Penny because that's another name that I just, me personally, I know I I don't even see him on your list. And it's like, Penny to me is like, he can, he can kind of just disappear due to injuries all the time as well. But his highs at times, man, he is a downfield, just banger. He is an explosive play waiting to happen essentially at times. So He's just another one I like, but I know you have other guys you want to get into here. I love the uh, Damian Harris idea. I love it.
0: Just a a few other names on the list that I think would check the same box as Damian Harris. Um, Under $5 million per year per PFF, and I think would allow the Bills to go into the draft not needing to address running back. Jamal Williams already mentioned him, just a solid all-around running back between the tackles runner. Double-digit touchdowns for Detroit this year. Um, Really good in pass protection. Dante Foreman, I saw him brought up in chat. 27 years old. I think he could be had some nice between the tackles juice um, behind cook Samaje P Ryan. I had no idea he was 235 pounds. He doesn't look like that when you watch him play, but I think that'd be an interesting backup. I'm not ruling out Devin Singletary coming back, but quite honestly, it's just not my favorite idea. Even if the market works its way back, I just want to see the bills change over that position a little bit. All right. Thanks Costa. Josh never sounded better. Um, we should probably talk about Derrick Henry, Luca, uh, because I know there's a segment of fans that know, saw Von Miller post a tweet and, you know, Derrick Henry is Henry, – Derrick Henry is available. I Michael Silver said he doesn't expect the Bills to be a team that trades for him. I certainly don't expect the Bills to be a team that trades for him. What do you think about the Bills going uh, big fish hunting for a running back?
1: I just don't even know. Has anyone even reported what the market would be like, what the expected return would be like for Derek Henry? Because the fascinating thing with Derrick Henry to me is what in the world are the Titans going to be asking for? Because on one hand it's King Henry, right? It's, It's a dynamic runner just who's he's got a lot of miles on the tires kind of deal, but he is a proven just dominant runner in this league can literally be a focal point of an offense to the point where you don't need anything else and still somewhat be productive at times. But on the other hand, no one anymore really truly values running backs. He has a contract where I think I saw it's only 11 million. He Mm -hmm. would cost you this year. Um, which is not outrageous, but at the same time, for someone with as many miles as him, it's still a decent chunk of money. And as a team that doesn't have just endless funds, you'd be pinching it a little bit tight there. It's just what, what do teams expect in return for a guy like that? And then what do you offer for someone like him? There's just, there's so much. And it's so complex with Derek Henry to me that on you call, like I would want Brandon Bean to call and just be like, Hey, what are you expecting in return for literally one of the top five running backs in this league for the past five seasons? Like what are you even, what where's your head at with him and then go from there. And obviously I would imagine more likely than not, it's going to be something that you don't even snip, touch from that point on and then just go on with your day. But if they're like, Hey, we'll take uh sixth and you know, whatever. And you're like, Hmm. I could flirt around with this idea, but unless it's such a low cost that they're really just trying to offload him entirely. No, I I'm I'm not really in the boat of taking Derrick Henry. No.
0: Yeah. And I don't think that they would necessarily want to give him away. It looks like they're going to take on $10 million in dead money. So it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And I don't, I'm with you. I don't know what you trade for a guy. Now the cost you mentioned, $11 million for the team trading for him is very similar to what a franchise tag running back is. It's what Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley got, And unlike those guys, the money is not fully guaranteed for Derrick Henry. You have some flexibility there. So I could see where it would be appealing, but that's just not where I think that the Bills heads are going to be at this offseason. Alexander Madison was brought up by Kenny Regleman, David Montgomery. Costa brought up Miles Sanders. Sanders is interesting. I I don't necessarily think that's the type of player they're going to look for. I do expect the Bills to add a back, but Luca if the Bills don't add a back in free agency, and maybe unless they add like Taiwan Jones, like a special teams back, and they're sitting there with James Cook and Naheem Hines and special teams running back Taiwan Jones, we are going to have a month and a half of speculating about the John w- Bajan Robinson. No, we are. <laughs> it's going to happen. Are you ready for it? No, 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 nope. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> you refuse to admit that will be our reality as seemingly every mock comes out. One last position on offense to talk about. It is the most important position, but it's not going to be for the bills and free agency. It is quarterback under Brandon Bean. Since they initially built the quarterback room with Josh Allen that had AJ McCarron and Nathan Peterman, and they quickly learned their lesson. Hey, we should get a veteran in this room. They have really been skewing towards veterans with starting experience. Derek Anderson, Matt Barkley, Mitch Trubisky, um, Matt Barkley back. They had Davis Webb for a while and not necessarily starting experience. Then obviously Case Keenum last year. I do not expect the Bills to overextend themselves for a quarterback in free agency. Um, We learned last year that Josh Allen is going to basically play through any injury unless his arm falls off. So I don't think that this bills team needs to go out and spend six to $7 million to get a Taylor Heineke or a Baker Mayfield, who I think those guys are going to be more in position to challenge maybe a team like Atlanta for the starting job, go in there and compete. I think the bills are going to be more in the high end, back end market backup market and look for the cheaper option. I think case Keenum coming back is a very realistic option. Um, Kyle Allen is a guy that's very close with Josh Allen. I I think that can make some sense. He's He's an 18 game starter positive touchdown interception ratio. Um, Andy Dalton is a guy out there that's been a hero to the bills back in 2017. His market's listed at 6.8 million. I just can't see a team really wanting to overextend themselves for Andy Dalton at this point. So if he's willing to come cheaper, that can make some sense. One name I will throw, oh, Sam Darnold. I think that's a guy that I think when you look at the market projections, he's probably going to be more in like the six to $7 million range, much like Mitch Trubisky, in 2021, I could see a scenario where Sam Darnold just needs a mental reset year. Like he's, he got drafted to a position where he was supposed to be the guy. It didn't work out. And then he got traded to a position where he was supposed to be the guy. It didn't work out. I could see where a year with his buddy, Josh Allen, just being the backup and taking a mental reset could be appealing. If that's the case, that makes sense. Another name I want to throw out Luca Mason Rudolph. And he has not been impressive when he's been on the field, but we have heard plenty of reports that the Bills were high on him in that 18 draft. And maybe that's a guy they could key on as their backup quarterback. Any of those names jump off the screen to you or what's the most likely outcome in your mind?
1: Um, First and foremost, I find it funny that your favorite idea was a afterthought and almost in a sense when you're railing off names, Sam Darnold. I like the Sam Darnold idea. I agree with it. Mm -hmm. It seems very Mitch Trubitsky like. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of the Kyle Allen thing because you're going with a guy who has started, has had some capacity of success in the league, whatever you want to call that. Um, he does have a record. He's tied for a record for most consecutive wins to start a career. Um, but, uh, he's also a great friend of Josh Allen. That's the, it's, that's the key, right? That's the key of signing a backup quarterback. You better be a friend to Josh Allen. That is what. They've shown that's what's most successful. You need to be someone that if they you are brought in, you're not gonna destroy the entire thing, hopefully. but you got to be a friend of Josh Allen first and foremost. Um, Case Keenum returning, I could easily see it as well. I, I think that reality is definitely there. Uh, Mason Rudolph is an interesting one just because you're kind of connecting a couple things there that I think are valid but I don't know if I see that one, Andy Dalton. No, thank you. Like, Mm -hmm. Hey man, you've been, you've been around the league. You've earned a pension. You've had an interesting run. I don't need to see you here. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're all good ideas, right? You're, you're just going for an inexpensive and yet solid idea to back up and be a friend of Josh Allen and won't completely lose track of everything. If we need you to start a game or two, as you pointed out, Josh Allen's playing clearly unless his arm falls off or he is just completely incapable of getting out of bed the next morning for whatever reason. So it's, it's not like you need a guy who is like, Hey, we're not going to lose the next five games because this guy is starting. Like, hopefully we don't get to that point. And if we do, we can accept that we are probably losing some games anyways, Um, just because of how dynamic and and the drop-off from Josh Allen to anyone else is just so significant that you're going to lose a lot of production that he brings to you just because of him himself. So yeah, Kyle, Kyle Allen is kind of the one that I've loosely circled as like, I would really not be surprised at all if that's where they go with the backup direction in 2023.
0: Yeah, Kyle Allen to me and Case Keenum, I, I feel like I would take those two over the field if I were a betting person. It'd be one of those two over the field. Sam Darnold's interesting. I mean, Marcus Mariota's interesting. Um, but, you know, there's names out there. Jacoby Brissett, they'll get somebody. Somebody that'll come cheap. They're, they're, I think the Bills may actually approach this like a game of musical chairs where they just sit out. Whoever's left without a seat that has some starting experience, come on down. Um, Trubisky is a guy that could end up getting out there. Pittsburgh decides to move off him since he lost the job to Kenny Pickett last year. All right, Luca, let's spin it over to defense now. And that's where we do have to have this, uh, Tremaine Edmonds conversation. And we are going to approach it like that. The bills are going to lose Tremaine Edmonds. Obviously, if he comes back, that would change things. I think that leaves a question of what to do at linebacker to replace Edmonds. And I have a theory, not necessarily a theory, just more of a question. Is it possible that this is what's happened to the bills in recent weeks? All of you out there, you've all been in a relationship before, right? And we've all had our heart broken at one point. Luca loves my analogies. I can tell by the look on his all, face. It's
1: always relationships.
0: It's <laughs> always relationships. Can you tell I have issues? Um, And you, you, the person you're dating is like, you know, I don't think it's working out. And at first you're sad and you're upset. And you, all you want is to figure out a way to say the right thing to make them to come back. And then time goes on. And you start thinking about it like, you know, I'll be able to go to the gym a little more often. I'll be able to hang out with my friends a little more often. On on those Saturday nights, I'll be able to watch whatever I want to watch. I wonder, Luca, if the Bills have been so thinking about, like, how do we keep Tremaine Edmonds? And now that it's gotten closer to free agency, if they're thinking, you know, that 17 to 20 million he gets. I could spend that on offensive line. I could spend it on receivers. I could get. I could get Kendricks from the Vikings for about a third of that cost and you know, be just fine at linebacker and go, go fix my offensive line of receivers. Like, I don't even know if I want to be with Tremaine Edmonds anymore that I just wonder, I, I think that the bills probably would still prefer to keep him, but I wonder as time has gone on and we've talked about the value of off ball linebacker, it, Is it possible that the bills sitting back, maybe you're seeing more positives on the side of let him go and spend that money elsewhere. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. I, I do believe that that is a reality that the bills have found themselves in. I think if, you know, I, we, we talked about it. What was it last show? I believe when we were talking about defensive personnel, what, what were my feelings on Tremaine coming back? And it was a, I, I answered that true 50, 50 coin flip. And I, I do believe that to be the case still today. I believe it's a true coin flip. Um, I'm not sure where it lies because we don't know where Tremaine's head is at essentially. Right. I think, when it comes to the bills, they would absolutely welcome them back if everything can work out and everything, you know what whatever comes involved with the money and stuff like that. But at the same time, they are absolutely kind of hoping for the best, planning for the worst. And the worst, as we're approaching free agency might not be all that bad, especially with individuals. I mean, you brought up Kendricks. The premier linebacker right now in free agency, kind of fits the mold of exactly what they want out of that position to a teat. And you can get him at a, (laughs) sorry. Uh, And you can get him for a lesser cost than Tremaine Edmonds. And you are in win now mentality. You are trying to win now. So I don't necessarily think they care as much that, oh, we want to make sure we still stay young at that position. No, you want to do what's best for you, no matter age. You are trying to win a championship right now. So if you can get someone that will provide you the same production, if not even potentially better production at lesser of a cost right now by letting Tremaine go and signing a guy like Levante David, you really should consider that option like that is something that I believe being in that front office should absolutely be considering because I would be very excited myself to see a Levante David in this defense because I feel like it is a plug and play plus like it, I feel like you wouldn't see any drop off and stuff like that and it's a clear message of hey we are willing to do whatever it is needed to win now. And we understand that the money wasn't there for the individual we liked in that position. So we're now getting the next best thing. And honestly, it could even be better in Levante David for right now and running it right back with that. Like I would love to see something like that. And I do believe the bills are in a mindset where they are expecting or trying to do something like that with the reality of Edmonds could easily be gone in a week's time. So
0: yeah. So the bills are in a spot where if and when they lose Tremaine Edmonds, they have to kind of pick their next path. Do, do you want to find in free agency the long term solution? Do you want to find somebody who you can pay to be your linebacker for the next five years or to Lucas point with Levante David, with Eric Kendricks, with Bobby Wagner? Do you want more of a one to two year solution where maybe there's not a huge drop off, if any, from Tremaine Edmonds, but, you know, down the pike in a year or two, you are going to have to find a solution whether that's Terrell Bernard continuing to come along, whether that's drafting a linebacker this year and having him grow. I think that is probably the option the Bills will choose. Although I will tell you, Luca, as much as I am a huge fan of the Kendricks idea, and as much as I know you are a fan of the Levante David idea, I do think there are some longer term solutions out there that we should talk about, even though they probably wouldn't be my first choice. Um, First of all, Drew Tranquil, from the Chargers. He is an elite athlete and he finally got a chance to get on the field this year um, and he played very very well. Now, the problem with him is he's only done it for one year in the league. And do you want to buy stock in somebody that was a one-year starter and had a great contract year? There's some risk there. Another guy, Jermaine Pratt. This if they are going to invest in a younger guy to be the long-term answer would be my favorite idea of that particular path because he brings so many of the qualities that Tremaine Edmonds has. He's long. He's 6'3". He's 250. He was PFF's highest rated pass coverage linebacker in the league, and his market is sub $10 million. That's what his projection is. Now, Tremaine Edmonds, they're talking 15 to $18 million. So if that's true, if you can get Jermaine Pratt at about half the price of Tremaine Edmonds, sign me up all day long. Do you have a particular preference on the path the Bills choi- choose of, long-term solution or Band-Aid until we can find a future solution in the draft?
1: I don't even want to call it Band-Aid. Band-Aid now.
0: was insulting. Yeah, you're right.
1: we <laughs> yeah. uh, were the win now mentality and we'll figure it out in two years time. Mm-hmm. I'd like to live in that world. I I fully am like look, we we've spent time grooming an individual with a premium pick and everything like that. We we grew out of his market unfortunately. He's going to sign elsewhere and now we're in a position where as long as we can improve that position or at least get that same production in someone else like a Levante David right now at a lesser cost and we can kind of Uh, I know I saw Roy Collins here down. You've picked another individual, but Roy Collins down there, I see you, you know, sign a vet to start, groom a linebacker for the future through the draft. That's the mindset I have. You don't have to spend a premium pick. And by premium, I mean round one, essentially. You don't have to spend that pick on a linebacker because you need them or hope to expect to see them play from day one on or whatever it is, because we did talk about how it seems like rookies at times don't get as much playing as they should. But you don't need that, right? You can just essentially sign a Levante David, who you know is a legitimate starter in this league, can fill in and some at that position, and you can take your time developing a guy who has all the physical attributes and is a great athlete to be that guy in two, three years' time, and then you're also not going to outprice yourself with that guy when his time comes. Like, there's a lot of good business with that mindset, And if you want to continue success in the Josh Allen era that we are living right now, you need to do it smartly. And I believe that is the smartest route. I don't hate the idea of Jermaine Pratt or I'm I'm Jermaine Pratt. I'm Drew Tranquil. That idea I'm not the biggest fan of personally. Has some Um, fool's
0: gold feel to it, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's kind of got that. You've only got one year. I mean, it it just I'm not going to. Despise it. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, this is ridiculous. This is stupid. But I I like the idea of Jermaine Pratt. I will say that. Jermaine Pratt has shown already enough that he is a legitimate guy that comes at a much lesser value than a Tremaine Edmonds. He's not a freak like Tremaine Edmonds, but he's still a very, very good athlete. And then he is just an incredible pass cover kind of linebacker who can still do everything else as well. Um, so I do like the idea of him, but I'm a I'm all in on the boat of Find your get your Levante David, find a guy in the draft in the third, fourth round, whatever it is, because your third round pick from last year is probably not going to be anything worth of note in three years time and then go on with your day and figure it out from there. That is the, that is the reality I want to live in. Yes.
0: And Jermaine Pratt is also proven. He's not afraid to cuss out a teammate for costing his team a playoff game. So he and Diggs oh. could get along pretty well. I'm kidding. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, I'm, I'm kidding. Everybody. I'm kidding. relax. Everybody. Relax. Relax. Bring Luca. Up. I wasn't going to bring up Diggs and I just had to, but um, I'm <sighs> kidding. I'm
1: kidding. Okay. All
0: right. Um, Devin Bush. Does that interest you at all? I know he was a guy that came into the league with some fanfare, really good athlete. Doesn't seem like he's really recovered since his injury. I, to me, it's
1: more of it. You can get him really cheap, take a flyer. Maybe otherwise I'd probably pass. I love the idea of taking a flyer on Devin Bush. Like as long as you don't like if you can get him at a, I'm not saying like absolute bare minimum, yeah. but if you can get him at a very cheap cost, bring him in and see what you get out of him. Absolutely. Like the athleticism high end of him alone you know, throw a couple million dollars at him and see if he can actually do something for you. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if he's sitting here going, Hey, I want six million, seven million, or whatever it is. No, thank you. Like, I don't think that's where his market is either. I just threw that number, you know, just pulled that out of my head kind of deal. But, um, if he's asking for something like that, no, but if he's willing to take, you know, a 1.5, $2 million deal, whatever it might be one year, two year, whatever. Sure. I I do think the athleticism alone that you've seen out of him in the past is enough to bring him in and see what you're getting on him with that kind of cheap flyer option.
0: Yeah. And if you you offer him a couple million, you say, Hey, look, we're offering you this money, Devin, and a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Oh God. You heard that saying, right? Yeah, of course. Okay. You're welcome. You're welcome, everybody. Um, Um, All right. Let's move on to a different position because we spent a long time on linebacker. Let's talk about edge Luca. Um, because you and I have been having some conversations with some folks and we're getting the impression that the bills might be a little more aggressive in this edge market, um, than maybe we initially thought. And the thought process is the bills do need somebody to bridge the gap for when Von Miller is probably going to miss maybe the first month or two of the season. Um, a veteran to come in, maybe have that Shaq Lawson role, add some juice to the pass rush, obviously take some snaps off the plate of Boogie Basham and AJ Epinesa. And then when Vaughn does come back to be a high-end rotational piece. And, you know, we were told that the Bills have shown interest already in Frank Clark released from the Chiefs. So let's just start there. What what do you think about the idea of the Bills being interested in Frank Clark?
1: Um, it's a it's a fascinating one, first and foremost. It's it's if that what we've been told and everything like that is true, um, It intrigues me in a sense of now I kind of am understanding a little bit better where the Bill's mindset is, and they really want to make sure there's no drop off after what they've seen at that edge position, primarily in the pass rush, because Vaughn won't be starting the season and, you know, progressing however he does coming off that injury. So they want to attack that a little bit more than probably what they hoped. Uh, Cause you would hope obviously Von Miller was healthy and you wouldn't have to even concern yourself with that. But um the Frank Clark link is an interesting one because uh, for all of intensive purposes, he's probably considered one of, if not the best edge option in free agency. So if they're, if they are exploring that idea, looking around, seeing what is there and it's primarily circling around Frank Clark, that tells you they're looking at the top end of that market. And um. Yeah, that's that's going to cost some money, though. I mean, when it looks at it right now, a perfect time. Uh, when you look at it right now, it's like, hey, uh, he's probably going to cost you around 10, 12 million dollars. And it's like, that's a lot of money to invest in Edge after doing that with Vaughn. And you already have other guys and other needs elsewhere. So it's an interesting it's a very, very interesting individual to kind of be seeing what's out there around. It's it's interesting.
0: So I'll tell you that PFF Eric Spielberger is one of the better projectures projectures. Oh my gosh. I'm just making up words. it's not as bad as the one you made up earlier. I need to make up the word teeth, but that was that I still can't get over that one, That's but he's one of the better um, cap prognosticators when it comes to these contracts. And he says Frank Clark's more of like a 6.5 million APY player at this point. And you know, what we were told earlier is that maybe teams around the league are more so viewing Frank Clark as a rotational piece at this point who comes up big in big games. We certainly saw that last year. He had two and a half sacks in in two playoff games back to back. Um, Frank Clark is not my favorite idea. He's just the guy that we've been told that the bills are kicking the tires on. My thought on this is that it's probably not a situation where they're just isolating Frank Clark. I think if they're in on Frank Clark, they're probably also in on Justin Houston. They're probably also in on Melvin Ingram veterans who still can rush the passer at a very high rate. Justin Houston probably is my favorite idea because he is a very high end pass rusher at this point in his career. And it's just, to me, an upgrade over what Jerry Hughes was two years ago for the bills. And when you think about Von Miller coming back, Greg Russo continuing to blossom. And now Justin Houston being the third edge off the, off the bench, or then Frank Clark, obviously in this case, that excites me. Um, So we'll see. I didn't necessarily anticipate the bills to be overly aggressive at edge. I thought maybe if anything, they'd run it back with Shaq Lawson, but you know, credit to Brandon bean. He's been aggressive assembling this edge group and it's not working out with a couple of these guys. AJ FNS is going into the last year of his deal. Boogie Basham has really failed to impress through two seasons. He's not going to sit on his hands and let bad investments just continue to go out there and let him down. So I'm all for the Frank Clark, Justin Houston, Melvin Ingram idea. Frank Clark's just the only name that we've actually confirmed that the Bills have been talking to. I think that's about it for Edge, though. I don't necessarily, I mean, the Bills are not going to go out there and sign Jadavia and Clowney. And one name that uh, I was really interested in, but I never really thought he would come here, Brandon Graham, playing at such a high level. He went back to Philadelphia today. Um, but that would that would have been kind of cool. And I guess that, you know, if worse comes to worst, they could always bring back Shaq Lawson. Defensive tackle, I think, will be a pretty quick conversation, Luca. I think a lot of it depends on if the Bills pull the trigger on this Ed Oliver idea that we've been in favor of. I don't get the sense that they're going to do that. To me, it's more of a something they should do. It doesn't sound like something they will do. A couple names I like for them. um, Where's my list here? Okay. um, Greg Gaines from the Rams. He played with Von Miller there. Von has always spoke highly of him. He's solid all around. If Ed Oliver's on the team, this team really does just need a fourth defensive tackle when you're talking about Daquan Jones, Ed Oliver, Tim Settle. I would not anticipate them bringing back Jordan Phillips. So Greg Gaines could be a very solid fourth tackle there. If they do move on from Ed Oliver and they need to add some juice to their pass rush on the interior, I'm going to butcher his name, Matt Ionidis. Who played with Settle in Washington on that great defensive line for Washington, the commanders, their football team at that point, and then went to Carolina this past year? He had eight sacks in 2018 from the interior, nine in 2019 from the interior. He's projects to be 6.5 million per year. This is the perfect guy, in my opinion. If you free up the 10 7 from Ed Oliver to bring in, replace Ed Oliver at three technique. APY means he's probably going to cost you 3 million against the cap year one. You've saved $7 million. You're probably going to get right around the same production and an added bonus. Al Holcomb, who I still believe is probably going to be the lead voice in the defensive room when they do assign a defensive coordinator was with him last year in Carolina. So any ideas there uh, make you excited?
1: No, no, the point of this is all dependent on Oliver. And if he does get moved is the biggest point to take away from this. Um, I, I like the iodonis or ionidus uh uh idea. Um, you're just basically replacing someone that seems like he could give you the similar production at just a cheaper cost. Um, it's kind of that perfect plug and play. We're going to use these expenses elsewhere situation. It makes total sense. If they move on from Oliver to me more than anything else, um, the Greg Gaines one is definitely like kind of a bargain shopping, get a body in here, which I don't have a problem with. Um, yeah. There's the, the interior defensive line market is a, it's a, how do not I don't, I don't, I don't even know what to expect out of it. Really. There is a lot of individuals in there that I don't know what to think of when it comes to what the bills can do with it. I guess is the way I, I look at it. It's, it's going to be an interesting one. I, I still think that they're, potentially are hoping they're potentially kind of just exploring all options when it comes to moving Oliver and then just keeping tabs on other individuals in free agency and what's going on there. Because then if that's the case, we would, we'll just know what they're going to be doing with Oliver sooner than later. Honestly, that's just me being selfish of, I want to know what they're doing with him. So, um, yeah, I like the ideas you brought up, everything like that. It's all Oliver dependent. So that really is what it is at this point.
0: Correct. March 15th. Uh, the question is, we have to be under the cap by March 15th. That is correct. The bills are currently 19 million over the cap, but there are some very simple moves the bills can can make to get under the cap. We can go through that right now. I don't think we've gone through that yet tonight. Um, They have a Josh Allen. This is all per over the cap. So they're 19 million over the cap right now. Josh Allen restructure frees up 21.5 million alone. So that puts them in the green right there, takes them out of the red. A von Miller restructuring frees up frees up another 10.86 million. Um, and then that 32 million right there, they have basically dollars 12 million dollars to work with. If they do decide to trade at Oliver, that's another 10.75 on top of that. Naheem Hines has a completely non-guaranteed 4.79 million dollar deal. He is a cut candidate or at least a pay cut candidate. They can free up money there. An extension for Daquan Jones going into the final year of his deal could free up $4.5 million per over the cap. And then there's a handful of other guys, Deion Dawkins, Taryn Johnson, Stefan Diggs, Tredavious White, Matt Milano even, who you could restructure freeing up anywhere from 4 to $6 million per guy. So there is plenty the bills can do to get very instantly 35 to $40 million under the cap without really blinking an eye. And doing whatever they want to this free agent period, particularly if they're not sinking a lot of money into Jordan Poyer or or Tremaine Edmonds. So Ed Oliver would look great in green, says Kelvin Wilson, who right now is coping with the fact that the Eagles are losing their entire starting defense, apparently, besides Brandon Graham. But we appreciate you hanging out with us tonight. Uh, Sheldon Rankin's another interesting name. Jeffrey Simmons is a guy that Daquan Jones posted a photo of with him today. Just teasing us again, is is Daquan Jones Luca going to be this year's Von Miller, where he just (laughs) picks another star player to tease us with and not really follow through on.
1: I think the thing we can take away from all of this is all these players hang out with each other. It's it's a fraternity, right? So you can read into it however you want. It would be sweet to see Simmons come on over, but I don't expect a Jones to become all of a sudden this year's Von Miller. No, to answer your question.
0: Um, Kebby, what are the chances of this happening? If you had to guess the last question you had was being under the cap by the 15th, a hundred percent chance that this is happening. if this is not what you're referring to, please let me know. And we'll, we'll clarify the answer, but they will be under the cap by March 15th. Every team will be. And I do think that, Josh Allen and uh, Von Miller are really obvious moves this team can make to get comfortably under the cap. And I'm surprised they haven't been made yet, Uh, but yeah, they, they will be, they're not going to just go into the the league. year not being under the cap and get penalized by the league. Let's talk about, we did defensive tackle. We did edge. We did linebacker. Let's talk about cornerback real quick, Luca, because I don't think the bills are really going to have and unless you have an idea that I don't, I think the bills are perfectly content to run it back with the group they have Uh, Tredavious White, second year off of his ACL injury. Kyer Elam going into year two. Christian Benford going into year two. Taron Johnson absolutely rock solid at nickelback. I expect Dane Jackson to be brought back, whether he's given a restricted free agent tender or maybe brought back on a lower cost deal. But I don't see a lot of room to add a body there. I think the Bills are in good shape at cornerback, and I don't really see a need to go out and, and add a player, even though an interesting name got released from Minnesota today in Cameron Dantzler.
1: Yeah. No, we talked about this last week. I am exactly where, you know, we're talking here. It's, I don't really, I'd be shocked. This is the position I'd be most shocked if they were to sign anyone for this like even if they went out and signed a troy hill right now like i'd be like wow that is interesting so what is going on with the corner room because yeah i could this is the position i easily say they just run it back as is i wouldn't expect many moves if any at all with this and they're just going to kind of go with it how they have it right now
0: that leaves us with safety with jordan poyer all but assuredly leaving, we will tell you that uh, the teams we have heard necessarily, I mean, I, I feel like there's a really good chance that day one of free agency, Jordan Poyers and Miami Dolphin, but other teams to keep an eye on. We've already mentioned this on previous shows. Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Philadelphia Eagles, K. Will, be, be alert for that one. We've, we've been told that the Eagles might be looking at, to have him replace um, Chauncey Gardner Johnson at safety if, if that happens. So just keep that in mind. Uh, but there are some interesting safety candidates out there to replace Poyer if the bills want to go out there and spend some money. Uh, John Johnson is a very popular name. He was released by the Browns so he would not cost the bills in far as far as the compensatory pick formula goes. He's very good in coverage he brings some experience. he's probably a six to seven million dollar a year player. That's a very popular name right now among Bills fans and content
1: creators. What do you think about the John Johnson the third idea? I love love the john johnson the third idea um at some point in the past i know i brought up his name randomly when we're i think we were just talking about the poyer situation and then i find it interesting that the browns have released him because it sounds like they're gonna try to make a push at Bates, and then all of a sudden you know it's like okay we'll just pick up your scraps if you want to call it that and we'll take john johnson the third at a cheaper cost because i i like i've seen enough of him when he was with the rams that i'm like (laughs) I like this guy. I think he could fit what we try to do on defense. And I think he's a very good player. I just think playing in Cleveland, something wasn't working out that he could play as high of a level that he can and um, bringing him in here is definitely, he seems like a perfect guy in the sense of he will be productive for this team, but then also you have to have your eye, one eye on the future when it comes to Micah Hyde leaving, and maybe all of a sudden, one year under his belt with this defense, if it works out, all of a sudden, you just kind of like slide him over and you have another future safety in that spot, whatever direction that is or whoever that is. It's kind of like a part, he seems like a really good option when it comes to bridging that need. Now that you're losing Poyer, Hyde is on the tail end and you have to figure that whole situation out. And it's like, okay, now we're going to go into John Johnson the third and then figure out the next year's safety issue. And however you need to address it. Then I think the John Johnson, the third situation to me is a fascinating one. And one I love personally. Are we at all
0: concerned about his upbringing though? Because what does it say about his family that three straight generations couldn't come up with a better name than John Johnson?
1: (laughs) I was wondering where you're going with that. I'm like upbringing. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with him what I don't know, like
0: John I, Johnson. And there's I love three it. straight. I, love I mean, it. I why mean, not hey. just name
1: of Johnson, Johnson, John,
0: Johnson. I mean, that's maybe John is short for Johnson.
1: Hey, it could be. And then it's Johnson and Johnson.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Hey, there you go. All right. Um, One other name I thought was interesting for the bills. This would be very cheap. Jabril Peppers, former first round pick. He's, he's been a giant. He's been a Brown. This to me is Leslie Frazier's not there anymore, but kind of checks the box of, Similar to Jordan Poyer when he came to the Bills of here's this mold of clay athlete guy that can play multiple positions. I feel like Jabril Peppers could almost be a much upgraded version of what the Bills have been trying to make Saran Neal, where he's a safety who also plays special teams, but can get you out of a game at corner. And I, I think Jabril Peppers could actually add something to this defense while also being a good player on special teams. And maybe you unlock that potential that made him a first round pick and get a starting safety out of them. Does that idea intrigue you at all?
1: Jabril Peppers is not signing a safety. You're signing a utility defender. Mm -hmm. That is what you're doing with that. And I have no problem with that. I I started that way, and I'm like, man, I'm being really firm with this. But no, I don't mind the idea of a Jabril Peppers. I don't think it's going to cost much of anything at all. And you're just bringing in, like you said, a guy who can be kind of plugged in wherever the needs are and hopefully get some good athletic production out of him wherever is asked upon him. Um, I like the idea at all. I'll just throw out a guy just because it seems like his name always pops up in my head. Duron Harmon, just another guy that I think yeah. about all the time. I think he's a solid, very good bargain bin shopping kind of option out there in the free agency market that if you just need to kind of plug in a veteran in that role at this point in time for this one year, a, a guy that you could consider and everything like that. So, um, but yeah, back to the Jabril Peppers thing. As a utility defensive back, kind of to do whatever you need him to do. I mean, it makes sense to me. It, it definitely wouldn't hurt. And I think the cost to what you can get out of him could uh, fit very well. Another name, I
0: uh, mentioned him a little bit earlier Chauncey Gardner Johnson. I would think his market would be a little too expensive for the Bills. PFF has it at like 11 and a half million. I think that's probably a little bit too rich for their blood. But man, some similarities there as a guy that started his career as a nickelback. And then became a high-end safety and has actually had to get the Eagles out of games before as a corner, and that just screams Micah Hyde to me. Where you think about what how his career started, and when the Bills, you know, pinpointed him in free agency, I don't know. I could see that. And then I also thought to myself, well, wait a minute, if they want a cornerback to go to safety, they have Christian Benford on their roster to do that. But that was just a name I wanted to mention. For whatever reason, I feel like the Bills aren't going to panic at safety, Luca. Even if they lose Poyer, which we are both projecting that they do. I think a name, you know, I think John Johnson makes a lot of sense. And then, you know, I think that they're just going to look to maybe add somebody in the draft or if they can't, I, I think that there's a lot of confidence in that building of kicking Christian Benford back there. If they have to, I think they love that kid and they think that um, he needs to be on the field somehow, some way. And if you look at this cornerback room of Tradavius white, Kair Elam and Taron Johnson, there is just no spot right now for Christian Benford in 2023. So getting him on the field as a safety does make a lot of sense. And that would actually help Brandon beans draft track record of recent years of finding a starter in round six in Christian Benford. So we shall see what happens there. We've covered all the positions. One last thing I will say, are you at all worried about punter?
1: Mm, No. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Just, just, just keeping it short and simple for you. No. Um, being that look, we don't have to talk about the issue of what brought up the punter position, but they kind of had to scramble at that position last year. And it worked out in the end. Like punter is not one you need to address early to me. Punter is one you need to address whenever the time comes that you just have to have a punter, right? When it comes to preseason games, you just need to get some legs in camp. Hopefully you have one that you like and have an eye on for the regular season and then keep an eye on it when cuts and everything else like that happen and fill the role accordingly from there. Um, as a team that hopefully should not punt much, I am not overly concerned about that when it comes to March 10th.
0: No. Just bring back Sam Martin. That's all I ask. He had a great year, yeah. there's not going to be a huge demand for him. He's an older player. Tyler Bass had his best year of his career with Sam Martin as his holder. Don't mess with a good thing, just figure out a way to bring him back. And uh, let's let's run it back with Sam Martin. We have covered a lot of ground tonight, Luca. Any final thoughts here? Because once we close this show out um the next time we talk to you all free agency will be underway and there'll probably be some new bills players to talk about anything else as we sit here in the calm before the storm that is free agency
1: no um i guess the message i have is don't get your hopes up (laughs) like do not expect the world i i feel like to me the biggest swing the bills could make the the biggest swing that is realistic and that they can make to me is levante david like that is the one that i look at and i go if they want to make noise if they want to show what they're about everything like it sign levante david that is a message sent across the league uh in the locker room across the front office everything like that is win now we expect results and we're going for it and that's why we brought him in like that's to me that's the big one other than that don't be, I don't want to call it bargain bin shopping because I feel like that's being crude to individuals and you're trying to fill roles and holes and everything around the roster. But essentially for lack of a better term, that is what I really think the bills will be doing. They're going to be doing a, you know, you're going to be trying to get as best bang for your buck. You're going to be bargain shopping when it comes to just getting tremendous value for the minimal dollar that you're spending to get it. Like that's what you should expect. So I wouldn't think that they're going to take a big swing really anywhere in the free agency. So just, uh, just be ready to not have a massive signing like a Von Miller, of course.
0: Yeah. And then Roy Collins says, be ready to be wrong. That's his advice. And we are wrong all the time. And we are, we are proud of that. I, I agree with you. And I do think this is a good year to take a quantity over quality approach because I don't think this is a loaded free agent class. There's some, there's some names out there. Jesse Bates is going to certainly impact some team. Tremaine Edmonds is going to impact some team in a very strong way, but a lot of the key names Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Lamar Jackson got tagged. And there's a lot of thought out there that no matter who signs Lamar Jackson to an offer sheet, the Ravens are just going to match anyway. There's not, in my opinion, a high end game changing wide receiver out there that you just instantly feel like is going to change your offense. Same for tight end offensive line. I think there's some good players out there, but there's there's not a Trent Williams out there that's just going to come in and just reshape your entire offensive line. I, to me, this isn't a year that you necessarily want to go out and have $80 million to spend and try to build the core of your team. I think this is a fill some holes, fill some needs, fill out the depth of your roster and see what happens. I'm with Luca. I think uh, it could be a painful first couple of days for the Bills, particularly if we see some guys who have been fan favorites like Tremaine Edmonds, Jordan Poyer, maybe to a lesser extent, Devin Singletary, sign with other teams. There will be a lot of those, those gifs of the poking of do something, do something. Are the lights on at one Bill's drive? Is Brandon being awake? By the way, why are we already seeing that stuff? Why are people on Twitter already saying the Bills need to do something? Free agency hasn't started. What do you want them to do? Do you want them to just post a list of players that they're going to go after when free agency starts? I don't get it. And I try not to rant too much, but I've seen so many people say, why aren't the Bills doing anything? What are they supposed to do? It hasn't even started yet. Like, do you want them to come out and say like a farewell to Tremaine Edmonds? Do you want them to announce the restructure of Von Miller? Well, that gets you excited. I I don't get it. Luca.
1: Yeah. I don't need to touch. That's why you stay (laughs) off the Twitter streets. That's, that's why why I don't dive deep into Twitter and all that. I leave that to you. I need (laughs) my mental sanity because honestly, I just couldn't deal with that myself. Um, Yeah. I don't need to touch that. (laughs) Yeah. I don't need to touch that. It, let people do what they want, you know, just if they want to shout at the clouds, let them and just, you know, if they, they don't want to understand how things actually work or, you know, what good business looks like in the NFL and stuff like that, that's on you.
0: Um, okay. Final thought before we get out of here, some big names on the trade block, Deandre Hopkins I think the bills are in or out on that one.
1: Uh, they're probably going to poke around on it, but I would say mm-hmm. out more than in. Yeah, I think so too. He he did mention he would like to go with a, a high
0: end quarterback, and a a team that could compete. The Bills certainly check both of those boxes. Well, buckle up, everybody. Free agency starts next week. We cannot be more excited about that. Luca and I will be right back here next week, next Friday to break it all down for you on Bills Chat Live. Hopefully we have some closure on Jordan Foyer, Tremaine Edmonds, and we have an idea of what these 2023 Bills are going to look like. For Luca, this is Josh. We will see you next time on Bills Chat.